My name is Dr. Michael Wald, and you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Uh, for those of you that have um, been present for all of the one-hour presentations we've done so far, I think there have been seven or eight so far, part of the Master's Health and Natural Wellness series that I'm providing. Today, you're in for a treat. You may not think so based on the title, Stress Proof Your Body, but this topic is probably one of the most fundamental topics that I feel um, my, my patients need to know, I, I certainly need to know personally. And the reason for that is that stress is the foundation of human existence, at least it's one of them, meaning that the one thing that we all have in common is our experience of stress. So just be with that statement just for a moment, and I'm going to give you a brief introduction, and then we're going to get into it. So once again, uh, you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. My name is Dr. Michael Wald, and I provide a Saturday uh, at one o'clock weekly presentation on different topics. The next 13 hours in total are meant to make you different, are meant to help you be better at caring for yourself and for those of you that you love in your life. So let's get into it. Stress proofing your body has to do with acknowledging the mental, emotional, and nutritional influences upon the stress response. Now, what is the stress response? First, let's give a brief disclaimer because sometimes individuals experience stress to such an extent, we're talking mental, emotional stress, maybe in a negative perspective here for a moment, and they require professional help. The information in this presentation is meant to, as I mentioned before, to improve your ability to acknowledge your stress and to maybe categorize that stress into uh, well, what it is actually, and what role it might play for you. So this information is for your educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace sound medical or health or nutritional advice. And to begin with, for those of you, again, who are not familiar with my credentials, these are them in a nutshell. Uh, I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I have a medical uh, diploma, a master's in human nutrition along with a PhD. I am a life coach, and that would be a, be a very important aspect of how I deal with patients through my life coaching services. I'm a sports nutritionist, a dietitian. Uh, I'm in, uh, I provide acupuncture therapy. I also provide a training therapy, and I'm double board certified in nutrition. So when you are out there looking for someone to help you manage your stress, you always want to know what their credentials are. You know, um, costs are obviously a practical factor as well, but you want to know what you're paying for. Now, we all experience stress, and let me give a brief definition of stress right now. First of all, the term stress was introduced into modern science in the 1950s by a Dr. Hans Selye, and he was a famous uh, researcher, and he actually came up with what we now call in physiology the stress response, the fight or flight mechanism. We're gonna talk more about that in a second. And when he used the word stress at that time, that was a term he borrowed from the construction industry when they talked about stressors or stress forces upon uh, different materials like concrete versus steel or wood, for example. And because he applied the term stress to the human body, when he published professional articles on the stress response in the body, they weren't uh, widely read because people didn't know what stress meant. <laughs> but now we know. So stress is not always bad. 
okay? We have uh, experienced negative stress, you might say, when the stress is prolonged and it affects the body in adverse ways. Again, we're gonna talk all about that today. But stress can be mental, emotional. Uh, there's also the stress of uh, physiologic repair when your body tries to manage an infection, that is, or inflammation, or it's trying to repair hardening of arteries. Uh, so repair is a type of stress. So stress can be good in that sense. So there's the stress of aging, the stress of, of repair, as I mentioned. So there's different forms of stress. Today, we're going to be talking about mostly psychological types of stress and how they impact our physical and our mental emotional states. Now, Hans Selye came up with a few other terms. He called them eustress or distress. A eustress basically means normal uh, positive stress. So for example, if you're exercising, the stress of let's say your weight training on muscles might cause growth of muscles or the stress upon your heart during aerobic activity might increase your uh, cardiovascular health. So that would be eustress. And then distress, as you might imagine, as I have here on the slide, is bad stress, or stress that affects the body in adverse ways that accumulate over the course of time, causing disease, and also dis-ease or dysfunction. But I'm just gonna use the term stress throughout this entire presentation. I will not use the term eustress or distress from this point forward. I just wanted you to know that they existed. So to stress or not to stress, this is the question to borrow from a uh, Shakespearean play. The stress response is the fight or flight response, meaning that when we are in, in a situation where we perceive there is stress, certain physiologic and emotional changes usually happen and they're very similar among people, which would include uh, increase in heart rate and blood pressure, uh, increase in circulation uh, to the extremities so you can run as opposed to increased blood to the digestive tract, which would be good if you were under uh, good stress and relaxing, you see. So the stress response or the fight or flight response where the body increases heart rate, reaction time, thinking, um, cardiovascular health, again, it is a survival mechanism. But in today's modern society, many of us are experiencing too much of that sort of stress where this short-lived or um, ideally short-lived stress response as a reaction to life stressors continues much longer than it should. And that's when things start to break down. So the fight or flight stress response is initially needed, but if it's too prolonged due to a stressful lifestyle, for example, then we get breakdown, which we've for years uh, misconstrued as normal aging, but it's not normal aging at all. So there are various effects of stress upon the body, and there are various, of course, types of stressors. And if we're talking about beating stress or managing the stress response better, because it can't be avoided, not only shouldn't stress be avoided, but stress should be framed in a certain way to support the organism, and you are the organism. <laughs> We want to look at nutritional aspects managing stress, energetic, which are mental, emotional, uh, and the physical, emotional component or an interrelationship there. If the physical body changes affect the emotional and the emotional affects the physical, that's because they're not separate. We only separate them with words or what I call, what I call semantics, saying something's physical or emotional just based on what we perceive is happening, which is, of course, limited our perceptions. And that lends itself to semantic approaches. I'm a big fan of addressing the language issues 
that or the self-talk issues that many of my patients have. So for example, I was having a conversation with a patient this morning and she said, we started talking about her job and she said, well, I, I really don't want to uh, want to go there. I'm sure you don't want to go there. And I said, why wouldn't we want to go there? And she thought for a moment and she finally realized that if we don't go there, if we don't acknowledge what stressors we're talking about, we can't do anything about them. So we say, I just don't want to go there as if that's somehow going to make them away, but it, it, it make them go away. But of course it does just the opposite. So what actually, what is actually happening in the body? What is the normal stress response? Well, there is a stress response. Whether or not it is normal or not depends on how your body handles it and based on how persistent it is and what result that has in terms of your body's ability to manage stress. I call that body resiliency. The more resilient you are, the better able you will be to manage stress and distress. So what happens is, you encounter a perceived stress, and I say a perceived stress because what you might consider stress and your perception is not stressful to someone else. So technically speaking, stress is not something that exists in the world. There is no stress in the world. You're thinking about that, right? There are happenings in the world, there are events in the world, but how we interpret them and how we internalize them, if we interpret, interpret, interpolate them and interpret them in, in terms of a stressful, negative stressful perspective, then they are negative. But th that's only to us. So a st stress is not something in the body, it's something that is, is perceived by the individual. And if that is true, then the individual has quite a say in terms of managing the stress response and removing adverse chronic stress upon the body. So if a dog barks at you during the morning and it shocks you, your body goes into a stress response and there's a, a portion of your brain called the hypothalamus, which is at the base of the brain, which sets off what's known as an alarm reaction. And through a combination of neurologic and uh, neurohormonal signaling systems in the body that involve the adrenal glands that are located on top of your kidneys like this, about the same size to the adrenals relative to your kidneys, which are my, my fists, um, we have a secretion of stress hormones from the adrenal glands, which include, among others, adrenaline or epinephrine and cortisol. So here is an illustration of a stress response where we have two mammals that come across each other and there is a shock. So the hypothalamus, um, adrenal, pituitary axis kicks in. There are digestive, cardiovascular, neurohormonal signals, among other, the total body responds to stress. Now this, of course, is a survival mechanism, as I'll keep on saying, where these animals are either gonna fight, or one or the other, or both are gonna run. And it's the stress response that enables them to escape, or at least to attempt to escape and survive. If, for example, these animals are constantly running into each other, even on the days they're not running into each other, they may be quite stressful throughout the entire day in anticipation of what the future may bring. That's an example of a chronic stress response which will cause degeneration throughout the body. And what is this here? So we're talking about the sympathetic nervous system and what we call sympathetic overload. So basically we have an autonomic nervous system. Don't be scared by those terms. Don't get stressed out by those terms. Autonomic, think of it as the automatic nervous system. It will kick in automatically without you having to say, okay, nervous system, I want you to kick in. So the autonomic nervous system has two parts. 
It has the sympathetic nervous system part and the parasympathetic. All you need to know is that sympathetic is the hyperadrenal stress response and the parasympathetic is the relaxation stress response. The parasympathetic relaxation stress response kicks in when you're relaxed, when you're at rest, and hopefully when you're asleep, unless you're having stressful dreams. You know, your heart rate increases, you could be sweating, jittery. Your body goes through stress during sleep as easily as it does uh, during wakeful times. So basically, the autonomic nervous system balances or attempts to balance out the sympathetic physiologic responses with the parasympathetic physiologic responses. Responses, And if it's too persistent, the sympathetic stress response, we may have sexual issues. For example, if someone's under stress, they might have erection issues, for example. They might even have just libido issues. I mean, who feels like having sex when they're stressed? Uh, well, maybe I should restate that question. <laughs> My point is that a negative stress response can affect many other aspects of our physiology, including the stress response, certainly the digestive system. Individuals that are susceptible to, to digestive problems due to the way in which they internalize stress might have esophagitis or reflux or you know, gastroesophageal reflux disease or GERD. They might have gastritis. They may have ulcerations in their small and even large intestine. All sorts of, um, of nervous system um, effects upon a uh, human body. And if the stress response is too persistent, then what happens is we might have what's known as adrenal overload. If you learn anything today about the stress response, you need to know that you cannot be talking about a stress response unless you speak about the adrenal glands. Remember those two little glands about the size of your thumbs on top of your kidneys towards your lower back. So a prolonged adrenal stress response where the adrenal glands are kicking in a lot of cortisol and adrenaline, okay, will cause suppression of the immune system. We all know that chronic stress lowers immunity. What does that mean? It can increase risk of all sorts of infections if you are exposed and many, many other diseases. Now, if there's just a short boost in immune system after a fight or flight response or exposed to stress, the immune system kicks in and it's short, you're good. But if your immune system is persistent, it leads to this fatiguing of the immune system and causes adverse effects in the body upon the immune system, for example, and upon other aspects of the body, which we're gonna speak about in detail. So basically, the last two bullets here say that the stress responses are sometimes a result of mental disorders such as post-traumatic stress disorder. A lot of us suffer from that. Um, and you know you do if you find yourself in a stress response based upon just the memory of something that hasn't even happened yet or something that's already happened. And of course, there's varying degrees of that response. If it's particularly severe, we may call that a post-traumatic stress disorder. But all of us have some amount of post-traumatic stress. And how we deal with it has everything to do with how our body will uh, come out of that, either weakened from the stress response, increasing our risk of uh, chronic degenerative diseases and a shortened lifespan and a shortened health span. And then there's something known as panic disorder in which the stress response is activated by catastrophic misinterpretations of body sensations. So I have individuals, for example, one woman uh, I spoke with recently who um, commonly when she's under stress feels like she has a lump in her throat, which is very interesting because, you know, Chinese medicine calls that a plum pit throat. Uh, as if you were to swallowed a plum pit. And they associate that in Chinese medicine with issues with the Shen or the emotionality of the individual, which seems to be housed in the heart. 
Just very, very interesting how they figured that out thousands of years ago. Let's talk more about the physiologic uh, stress response. Well, I'm just gonna briefly review this with you because we're gonna talk about this more in a generalized sense uh, in a few minutes. So during the stress response, just for a review, we have these catecholamines. Those are different hormones that are uh, secreted by the adrenal glands. And then they allow, again, for fast reactions, mental reaction time that's quick, uh, blood rushing to the extremity so you can run out of there. So accelerate of the heart rate and lung action. There may be a flushing or both. There may be inhibition of digestion because you don't want to be digesting when you're trying to escape something. You need that energy to escape. So obviously chronic stress uh, if you're not really escaping anything, will uh, adversely affect digestion. And also constriction of blood vessels in various parts of the body, uh, dilation of uh, muscular uh, blood vessels, various um, other reactions like relaxation of the bladder. So you urinate and then you're running, okay? Evacuation of the colon, you defecate and you run. Um, and other similar types of reactions that are hyper-responsive reactions. That is a stress response. That's all good in the short term, but in the long term, not so good. So take a look at this um, figure here. I thought this would be useful because it, it basically ex expresses what in general happens uh, in the body and what organ systems are involved during a stress response. First of all, there is no cell tissue or organ in the body that escapes from a stress response. But what you should know are these, these few things. First of all, when there is a stress response, it involves signals going to the uh, upper brain and also the brain stem, this area that's squared off here. We have the pineal gland secreting various hormones, which tells other body tissues like the adrenals to make more adrenal hormone, like the thyroid to make more thyroid hormone. Okay, and then the stress response in these chemicals, they go to different organs and these organs have receptors for these different uh, stress hormones. And, it, and that basically is a language telling me the organ and the, and the whole system of the body what to do. So there really isn't, uh, as I mentioned, a cell tissue organ or organ system that can escape the stress response. And if that's true, chronic stress responses that are not mitigated by relaxation, nutrition, for example, they're chronic and tissues start to break down. It's almost uh, analogous to a car that um, you put in um, high acceleration and you keep it there for a long time. Eventually, the, the, the car starts to make sounds. There may be burning in the engine. Uh, the oil may burn off. Uh, parts may start to degrade, you see. So this is what happens in the body during a stress response as well. And, and sadly, many medical professionals today, although they're well aware of the stress response, other than saying reduce your stress, they offer no real help. So let's talk of what happens a little bit more during long time activation of a stress response. So overexposure to cortisol, which is one of those stress hormones we spoke about and other stress hormones, disrupts almost all of your body processes. Now this puts you at increased risk of a variety of health prob problems, which include some of the following. Cardiovascular disease, if your heart is stressed out and your vessels, they're gonna break down. Sleep problems. If you're under stress, the body doesn't want to sleep. It thinks it's trying to escape. So sleep problems are commonly secondary to chronic stress or acute stress. Digestive problems, depression, even obesity. Because chronic stress might increase cortisol. Cortisol is a chemical that tells fat cells to stay around. 
Now, don't go wasting your money on saliva tests measuring your stress hormones, folks, because if you feel you're under stress, you're under stress. You don't need a saliva test costing you several hundred dollars to tell you that, especially since by the time you do the test, your hormones might be elevated, which will, then you'd have to conclude, okay, I was right about my stress. Now what? It doesn't change anything. Uh, or you might look at your stress hormones on saliva, salivary testing, and they might be normal. That might be because they were high for a very long time, and now they're normal, so you wasted your time as well. Or those hormones might be low, and you'll say, aha, uh, so I'm depleted because of chronic stress. Once again, that tells me personally nothing different. So I don't tend to do saliva hormone testing with my patients because if they feel they have stress and I assess that they have stress, they have stress, okay? Memory impairment, worsening of skin conditions, that's a big one. The most common cause of skin eruptions is actually stress-induced. Uh, immune problems and just basic healing is all disrupted. Let's speak a little bit about some of these stress hormones. So as I mentioned, adrenaline is one of them, and it's secreted by the adrenal glands. And the function of adrenaline is increasing of heart rate, elevating blood pressure, and boosting your energy supply so you can escape the stress. That's appropriate. And also your adrenal glands, your adrenal cortex secretes cortisol. And this is considered the primary stress hormone. It increases uh, sugar uh, in the bloodstream because you need sugar uh, to have metabolic energy to escape. It enhances the brain's use of glucose so you are sharper in your reaction time and your thinking so you have a greater chance of escaping. And uh, cortisol also increases the availability of various substances that uh, actually repair tissues if the cortisol secretion is not prolonged to days, months, or years. Then that's where the problem starts. And, you know, in my 30 plus years of experience dealing with, with people with various types of stressors, I have to say that most people have little to no tools to manage their stress. They do things like, well, okay, I should think positive. Well, thinking positive doesn't fix how you internalize your stress. And it may not uh, repair the effects that stress have had on you over years. A person requires a, a systematic, learnable approach to managing stress that's reproducible so that they can manage stressors as they come up. To think that stress is something you can avoid in life is um, a huge error in thinking. Uh, that would be a misrepresentation of reality. Uh, stress is part of life, and anything that you label positive or negative in terms of it being a positive or negative stressor is something that you've labeled. Now you might say, well, that's not true, Dr. Wall, because there's murder in the world, and there's rape in the world, and there's catastrophes, and those are negative. As horrible as I might agree that they are with you, they are not anything other than events. And how we internalize them is how we allow them to affect ourselves. And you know this is true because there are in other individuals that may respond to the same stressors that you might consider quite stressful and severe without batting an eye, without thinking that this is an issue whatsoever. Or simply they internalize them in the short term and then it's done. So we all deal with stress in different ways and to different extents. And what I try to accomplish with my patients that I'm doing life coaching with is to identify those stressors and then changing the way that we think about them by asking different internal questions. You know, the human language is mostly made up of negative terms. And many of our speaking and thinking is in those negative terms. So we need to recognize that exactly 
and to develop a new language so that we can internalize life events so they are not entirely stressful or and they do not take that toll that they tend to on our bodies. And one more point for now about cortisol is that cortisol also curbs various functions that would be non-essential or detrimental in a fight or flight situation. So if you're under stress and your cortisol levels are starting to spike, your body is going to slow down digestion because that's not an essential function. Your body is not going to want to reproduce for reproduction uh, because that's not what you're doing during escaping. You know, when you're not escaping, then you want to be digesting, digesting. then you want to be working on reproduction for preparation of, uh, of the species, right? And as I mentioned before, stress and the cardiovascular system is uh, pretty, pretty straightforward. When you have stress and stress hormones increase, the adrenaline cortisol receptors in, in the heart tissue and elsewhere in the body are activated. And again, they should for the short term, you must have a cardiovascular response to stress. But if you have a predisposing cardio, cardiovascular disease, for example, stress really can kill you. Or better yet, the effects of stress upon your body can kill you. So in this illustration here, uh, chronic stress could cause vasoconstriction of blood vessels, choking off blood supply uh, to the heart. It could also cause hardening of the tubes, like let's say this pen is a tube, like these uh, vessels, as you can see, the red and blue vessels coming off the heart, and they can become filled with uh, hardened material and inflammatory mediators. Um, and then ultimately, the flexibility of the, the, the uh, arteries of the heart will be less, which creates even more physical stress in the body, which can create even more physiologic and mental stress based upon our reaction and interpretation of what does this all mean. So no organ system escapes stress. So when we deal with stress, we should always deal with stress in a, an entire whole body, whole environment perspective, okay? So now let's talk about how the stress response is self-regulating. Well, at least it has that potential. If the stress response is functioning as it should, meaning once the stress is managed, the stress response fades out, you'll have, as the first bullet describes here, decreased stress hormone levels, which enable your body to return to normal once the threat or your perceived threat has passed. Now listen, sometimes you will find yourself in a stress response or even having an anxiety attack and you won't know what the trigger is. First of all, there doesn't always have to be a conscious trigger. Many of our bodies are now conditioned to act in a stressful way without any provocation. We just find ourselves being victimized by this. But a normal stress response is self-regulating. Bullet number two, as adrenaline and cortisol, the two main hormones uh, secreted by the adrenal glands, the levels drop, heart rate, and therefore blood pressure will return to baseline levels, and other systems resume their normal activities once the stress response it has self-regulated then. But when the stresses of your life are chronically present, or at least you perceive that they are, you constantly may have a feeling of stress. Even your dreams may be stressful. You may feel nervous. You may uh, be tense and on edge. And this fight-or-flight response, as it's called, stays on. The practical point here is that the less control you have over potentially stressful events in your life, the more uncertainty they will create and the more likely you will feel stressed. So the trick obviously is the goal, one of the goals is to 
be, have more control over your stress response rather than it controlling you. Having more control over how you frame or internalize or attach meaning to external events outside of you so they don't um, rob you of your health and your happiness. Even the typical day-to-day -day demands of living can contribute to the body's stress response. Well, that's actually everything that continues to the stress response because stress, as I mentioned earlier, only exists in your interpretation, in your head. If you were gone, there would not be any stress. So why do you react the way you do to stress? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One might be genetics. I mean, there are times when I'm sitting with a patient and it's very clear to me after meeting, let's say, their parents or one of their parents, that they've, they've inherited a certain persona of stress. So genetics through various means are maybe a predisposing factor as to why someone has stress. But you have to be very careful when you blame genetics or inheritance upon the stress response, let's say in you or someone you know. Because as infants, as soon as we're born, we start to develop certain reactions uh, to the environment. We can develop habits of stress or habits of our responses to stress that are detrimental. So they're negative responses to stress. They may look like we inherited them because maybe a child, for example, seen stress from a very young age and now is an adult and they're still stressed. So they're, they're like, well, you, you were born that way. Well, maybe you were born that way and maybe you were not because um, infants and obviously little babies uh, and, and even adults and through our growth cycle in life, we are all extremely sensitive to um, responding to stress and developing either positive or negative ways of dealing with stress. So when we talk about life experiences, strong stress reactions sometimes can be traced to early environments like certain traumas. And many of those traumas are not uh, on the conscious level, they're on the unconscious level. So one of the things I try to do with my life coaching clients is to try to uncover some of these uh, stressors and to reframe them in ways that actually are supportive for the body and are not negative in that regard. Sometimes we do that through conversation, it's always part of it, and others it's through nutrition to change one's body chemistry in specific ways. We'll talk about that more. So how to manage your stress and live longer. I should also have said live longer during the non-disability stage of life that I mentioned earlier at the introduction of this talk, because at least for me, What's important is to live in a healthy way and live um, in a way that you have the freedom to enjoy life to its fullest. So these are some of the ways and areas that we might consider when we want to manage our stress. One is in terms of stress management strategies, exercise. Uh, I personally love to run and lift weights and uh, if I am stressed, I exercise and that dissipates stress for me. So I associate exercise with reduction of stress. Even just thinking about exercise helps me relieve stress. And that's because I've learned to attach a certain thought process of, um, of happiness and of joy uh, when I think of myself working out that counteracts the stress response I may be having in the moment. If you notice that you're having various stressors and you're in a stress response in your head and in your body, one of the key things to do at that moment, not tomorrow, not the next day, not the next week, is to acknowledge that you are under stress. 
that your body is going to a certain place. You'll probably notice you're thinking things like, you know, is this going to work out? When can I finally exercise? I have so much to do. I don't know where to start. There's too much going on. And those sorts of questions and inquiries only reinforce the stress. So one of the techniques that I tend to suggest to my clients during life coaching is to notice when you are under stress, your physiology may be obvious, your heart rate may be increasing, you might feel palpitations, you might be uh, a red in the face, for example, you might have spasms and things of that nature, digestive uh, feelings, you might have a lump in your throat, like I mentioned earlier. These are stress responses. And uh, to change your thinking, to simply change your focus uh, on something that uh, you enjoy, for example. And then when you notice your head is already not thinking about that, you're back at the stress response, bring yourself back to something you enjoy. And, and maybe it's exercise, for example, and you might say, well, why do I enjoy it? Well, I love to sweat. It makes me feel accomplished. Uh, it makes me feel powerful, you see. And then as you continue to reframe things and use different words that have different meanings to your nervous system, and you are your nervous system, you will start to interrupt that stress response, just like you would interrupt uh, bad behavior by a child. You interrupt it, you let the child know that it's the behavior that's an issue, it's not them, okay? You wanna say, you know what you did there, we don't wanna do it that way, here's how we wanna do it and why. Not you are bad, bad, bad. That only increases the stress of the individual potentially and teaches them that they are bad, as opposed to they might have behaviors that are not desirable, you see? That's not playing with words, that's a reality. And other than exercise, nutritional supplementation, we're gonna talk about in, in a lot of detail, because the right nutritional supplements can change your body chemistry, allowing you to change your, your emotional state or your stressful state much more rapidly than without nutritional supplements. And then there's semantic, um, well, let me not skip this, relaxation techniques. So uh, whether it's post-isometric relaxation, so some people, when they're stressed, I might have them tighten up, tighten up, tighten up for about 10 seconds or 15 seconds, and then relax. So all the muscles start to relax. And I'm not just tightening up my arms, my whole body. Then you relax. This is a technique that is known to increase healthy chemicals known as endorphins, enkephalins, and serotonins, which counteract or flood the adrenaline and cortisol hormones so a person feels less stressed. And then there's semantic reactions using language uh, and the structure of our language and the words that we use and how we frame things. So for example, sometimes we'll look at an event during our day and we'll complain about it. And you have every right to complain about stressful events. Uh, but by complaining about them, you actually keep them around and you are reinforcing them more simply by the act of, of acknowledging them. Now, I'm not saying that you should not acknowledge a stressor, but I would suggest that you try to frame that stressor differently. So I can think of another person I spoke with a few days ago who uh, was complaining about work and um, how lots of other workers were bringing uh, complaints to her, and this really wasn't part of her job description, let alone uh, it was stressing her out. But I suggested to her that she might reframe all of these events differently and notice that people come to her for a reason. They must perceive her as someone who has answers. So maybe she should feel good about that, and that when she wakes up in the morning to adapt, let's say, an attitude of joy and gratitude 
So when she brings joy and gratitude to her workspace, when people are saying stuff to her, if it's filtered through joy and gratitude, it has a very different physiologic reaction on the body. As you might imagine, it does not have a negative stress effect upon the body, but a positive one. Of course, I'm oversimplifying here, but these are major techniques and considerations for dismantling negative stress responses. Loving your job, for example, if you hate your job and you're exposing yourself you know, many days of the week to something that is reinforcing negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions in you, and why would you do that? Now, you're probably thinking, well, I do that because I don't have another job and, and you know, I have to work for someone. I'm not, you know, I don't own my own business. Well, those may sound like legitimate excuses, but if you really thought of your health and your, and your environment as being essential to your happiness, you might not tolerate a job that you do not anything but love. You just let it go or at least start to think about it differently. And that might mean getting another job that is more consistent and more fulfilling for you. I certainly found myself at one point not liking my job earlier on, particularly when I first started because it was overwhelming to me at the time, the amount of sadness, the amount of pain and, and, and death and illness that I was facing in practice. And I was getting sick. And then I said to myself that this isn't helping anyone. Just one day it was just too much. I said, I either have, I have a few choices here. One, I can tolerate what I'm doing, and that's that. Or I can make adjustments to my work. Or I can make adjustments to my work from the perspective of contribution. So I realized that I was not being fair to my clients if I was in a stress response and unhappy. How could I possibly, through that filter, give them the best of me? I couldn't. And once I realized that very clearly, I, I had to change more positively my perspective on work. Either that or I would kill myself by, by not physically killing myself, but I'll be killing myself through chronic stress by just tolerating that. So once I realized that I was blessed, that people trusted me to help take care of them, that reframing allowed me to have greater resiliency. Now I still see all the people with all of those different horrific problems, but now I'm the best that I can be for it because I will not tolerate being anything less than my best because it's not only me I'm concerned about here, it's now the health and lives and quality of lives of others. Fostering healthy relationships and recognizing what a non-healthy relationship is. Getting plenty of sleep, which is not something you can force yourself to do. But once you manage stress better, having better sleep is a side effect of better stress management. And having deep, deep quality sleep uh, or deep REM uh, stage three sleep is a consequence of more parasympathetic, relaxing nervous system reparative activity as opposed to the sympathetic stress reactivity, which keeps people awake because cortisol keeps people awake. And that's part of a hyper-responsive chronic stress response. And then, of course, there's professional counseling, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, life coaching, which is what I do. Let's now talk about nutritional considerations and the stress response. Now, I should say at this point that when I deal with clients, and I want to 
support them through foods, exercise, and nutritional supplements for chronic stress issues. Um, it's important for me to evaluate them in such a way that I determine what their actual needs really are in all of those areas I just mentioned and every other category of their life that matters to them. And obviously, if you work on the individual, you're going to help many aspects of their lives because all of these areas of a person's life, whether they're their financial life or their relationships or whatever it is, they are there. So once we can improve how we manage stress, so we manage it most of the time so that it doesn't manage us most of the time, we're in good shape. So nutrition is a key part of that. Now, there's a product that I have called Endocrine Tincture, and all my products, by the way, are on blooddetective.com, and it's loaded with these particular herbs at these specific percentages in these particular combinations, given what the scientific literature says might be helpful for people managing chronic stress response. I won't go into each of these, but this is a liquid tincture that is highly absorbable, that supplies herbs that are adaptogenic, but also are specific for people who have chronic stress to, to enhance adrenal activity that has been suppressed for so long and to balance it out. So many of these herbs are called adaptogenic because if the stress response is being perceived too high and chronically in a person, it tends to regulate it down. If the stress response is fatigued, it tends to regulate it up. So certain herbs and certain nutritional and mental emotional techniques help to balance out how we deal with stress so it's not hyper-responsive or in adrenal fatigue or stress fatigue. Next, I mentioned the endocrine tincture. Uh, the average amount of drops that I tend to suggest for a person is 10 to 20 drops in the morning and perhaps another 10 to 20 drops of between 2 and 4 or 5 o'clock during the course of the day depending on the time at which they tend to have a lot of stress. And those particular herbs and studies have been shown to help manage uh, thyroid function, uh, adrenal function, and anterior pituitary function in the brainstem, because the brainstem and the anterior pituitary and the posterior pituitary secrete various hormones that are required during stress response, like uh, the uh, cortisol and adrenaline. But um, ACTH, adrenocorticotrophic hormone is a hormone that's secreted by the anterior pituitary, which tells the adrenal glands to regulate itself. And then the adrenals talk to the thyroid gland, you see. So there are these anterior pituitary thyroid adrenal feedback mechanisms. And then there are superfoods. Now everyone knows what superfoods are, these powdered things that are green or whatever formula they are. They're not all the same. In fact, I took a patient's green formulation that they had, superfood, I compared it to mine, it was completely different. It had a few things the same. So I have superfoods which are entitled superfood number one, two, three, and four. And basically I ask a patient to have um, one or two servings of each of these four products because they contain um, the dehydrated equivalent of over 72 pieces of fruits and vegetables a day. There are tens of thousands of different phytonutrients, which are regulatory, anti-inflammatory, tissue building. You might say anti-stress, at least based on um, what scientific studies say that many of them actually do in uh, mammalian bodies, either in human beings or in other mammals. So there are green, red, purple, and orange. And depending on the needs of the individual patients, I might um, have them take more or less of different ones. But the superfoods are just basic for general health and healing 
during stress response, in my opinion. And then there is DHEA, dehydroepiandosterone. Now, DHEA is a stress hormone. Now, I start patients off with 25 milligrams in the morning only, because that's when DHEA levels, which are secreted by your adrenal glands, are, mo are highest is in the morning. That doesn't mean I don't supply DHEA later in the day. It just depends on the person. I might go much higher than 25 milligrams. I may go as high as even 200, 250 milligrams. But DHEA uh, tends to be depleted after age 30 and from chronic aging or, or, or improper aging or chronic stress response. When you repair it uh, with all of these different types of nutrients, the potential is that you'll gain more lean body mass because when we age, we lose lean organ mass, we lose muscle mass. That's from stress response largely. And um, we don't uh, manage inflammation as well. Um, our cardiovascular disease risk, autoimmune disease risk goes up, the risk of all chronic degenerative diseases, and we have comorbid health problems. So DHA helps offset that, as does ingredients found in endocrine tincture and superfoods. And then there's uh, digestive enzymes. What, what would digestive enzymes possibly have to do with the stress response? Well, if you're over 50, you're probably malabsorbing and you require digestive enzymes. If you do not digest protein, carbohydrates, and healthy fats properly, you won't have those major, uh, what we call food stuffs, protein, carbs, and fats, to repair tissues. And as we grow older, as our intestinal tract is stressed out, it starts to break down, we start to malabsorb, and that malabsorption is this chronic cycle where other tissues now are affected because they're not supplied with the things we need from absorption. So we need digestive enzymes for blood sugar regulation, digestion, inflammation control, and uh, the general stress response. And here's some other very key nutrients for the stress response. Number one is buffered vitamin C. I like to use a buffered powdered vitamin C. And again, you can find all these nutrients on, at blooddetective.com. You can also read a lot more about what each of these do. I have summaries of all the supplements along with scientific literature attachments there. That's very rare that you see that on websites. But you need vitamin C because it's the most abundant mineral that's stored in the adrenal glands, but it's also required anywhere in the body where there's watery compartments, which is everywhere. During the chronic stress response, a person tends to hyperutilize lots of different nutrition. Hyperutilization means that it burns through nutrition. So some of you saying, and I hear this every day, that you're saying, oh, doctor, well, I take plenty of vitamin C, I'm fine. And I do tests and I find out that they're not, uh, you know, they don't have plenty of vitamin C, they're depleted. So chronic stress will burn through lots of nutrients like vitamin C and tissues will break down. So I tend to have people do what I've called before in my various radio shows a vitamin C flush, where they take a level teaspoon of powdered, buffered vitamin C, they mix it in two to three ounces of water, that's about a half a glass of water, every 30 minutes until you get diarrhea. Then you stop. Then the patients tell me how many teaspoons it took for them to reach diarrhea. That amount is too much, obviously. That'll have them have chronic diarrhea all the time. But if this is their saturation, which is where the diarrhea hits, the body, it stores up vitamin C, stores up vitamin C, then it lets out the vitamin C through the stool. What you want to do is keep your vitamin C 100% saturated at all times if you can. So you would take two-thirds of the amount of vitamin C that caused the diarrhea or the flush. You take two-thirds, that'll keep you moving, that'll keep you fully saturated, and you're good to go. Then superbugs, that is a high-potency um, probiotic. 
It's specifically formulated to manage general intestinal health, but also for mental emotional health. It contains certain um, probiotics that have been studied to help stress and depression. It's amazing. But we know these days that probiotics do have that potential. And if you were to even Google that, you'll come up with scientific references, um, which say scholarly articles. That's the stuff you want to pay attention when you do these searches. So you know you're getting reliable uh, materials and you'll see that those studies are there. Of course, these doses I'm suggesting here are not really suggestions for you as an individual. They're just common dose suggestions that I tend to recommend. But the key though is that you need to personalize what you're taking nutritionally. You need to do the right tests, the right dietary reviews with a qualified healthcare provider, uh, the right review of your exercise and your health goals and your current health problems. All of these factors and other factors, uh, specifically those that have to do with assessing how well you internalize stress and how well you, uh, you know, use reframing techniques and other types of mental emotional techniques to manage your life. And then there is a pregnenolone. Okay, that's not progesterone, that's pregnenolone. Pregnenolone is another one of these anti-catabolic hormones, just like DHEA. So DHA, the adrenal hormone, and pregnenolone are two anti-catabolic hormones. Stress causes catabolism. Chronic stress causes tissues to break down and to degenerate, and that's where disease comes from, from the stress of life. Pregnenolone offsets the loss of lean organ mass, so your body is more resilient, you see, and it can repair better. The DHA and pregnenolone work because there are receptors on various tissues of the body for DHA and pregnenolone, the tissues are begging for it to be there. But if it's depleted from chronic stress, then obviously the tissues will break down. So 25 milligrams in the morning is a starting dose uh, to help offset the stress response by making the chemistry feel and look more like you're handling stress better with higher levels of DHA, with higher levels of probiotics, digestive enzymes, and the like. And then, of course, a multivitamin. Um, the multivitamin needs to be activated. That means that most of the nutrients in it have to be activated nutrients. So, for example, your, your multivitamin might have magnesium, B6, folic acid, B12, but if it's in the non-activated forms, then your body will have to go through the stress of activating those nutrients. And that's not what you want to have happen. You want to have all of your nutritional supplements, uh, as long as they're available, in the most active forms possible. We don't have time to go into what that means here beyond that statement um, because we can literally spend hours just talking about activated nutrients. But I did do a radio show, a full hour radio show on nutrient activation, and you can find that at my website at uh, drmichaelwald.com. Um, so you can go to the website, drmichaelwald.com. You can search on the search bar or on the homepage for anything. Uh, also from uh, drmichaelwald.com at the top, you'll also see a link to uh, the blood detective supplements uh, from that site, or you can just go right to blooddetective.com. Uh, but you can search for the activated nutrients radio show, or you can go to my blog section. Now, if you go to the blog section, listen, this is important, and you'll see all these different topics. Just click on any one of them, and then you'll have the option to listen uh, to the radio show on that topic or to watch it just like this. I, I do believe, because the feedback that I'm getting on this particular format 
a PowerPoint presentation recorded on Zoom, so you can see me here talking about it, is getting quite a, uh, a positive response from, from all of you guys, and I appreciate that. So I think all of my shows will be in this format from here on out. So we've all, I think we've covered the fact that we need a multivitamin that's fully activated. If you are not anemic, you never, never, never should take a multivitamin with iron. And if you are anemic, like a gentleman I saw just yesterday, he was extremely anemic. He was in his 70s. I said, did your doctor talk to you about your severe anemia? And he said, no. You know, if a man has anemia and, and he doesn't know, have hemorrhoids that he's aware of, he needs to be seen by, by a gastroenterologist or an internist immediately to find out the source of that anemia. You don't just flood the system with iron, you see. He also had many other problems on his lab that his doctor completely ignored simply because I'm guessing it didn't add up to some neat disease or there's incompetence there or a combination. So um, back to the supplement summary here. The chronic stress response or any stress response uh, lends itself to blood sugar changes. As I mentioned earlier, we need blood sugar during a stress response to activate muscle activity and brain activity so you're thinking clearly and you can run and escape, right? It's a big glass of water, isn't it? It's my favorite cup. Steel keeps everything nice and warm. I'm nice and cold, I mean. Now, we wanna uh, sometimes, if, we're, if we recognize that we have chronic stress, we wanna take sort of like a multivitamin of the, the main factors that we know are required to manage stress, like chromium uh, and magnesium, for example, certain proteins, vanadium, um, or just some of them. And the thing is, when there is a blood sugar response, when there's a change in blood sugar in response to stress, there's a change in insulin levels, right? Um, insulin puts a blood glucose, which is blood sugar, in the cell. So the the, so insulin sensitivity and amounts of insulin have something to do with regulating the insulin available in the bloodstream to organs, tissues, and glands. Also during the blood sugar stress response, there's changes in glucagon, other uh, adrenal hormones like adrenaline and cortisol, and uh, therefore, um, if it's balanced correctly, we have proper inflammation control and sugar regulation. So sometimes uh, giving someone a, a focused blood sugar um, product is important, and mine is called blood sugar balance. Now, I mentioned also that chronic stress can cause hypertension or just high blood pressure. Now, you might not have officially hypertension, but you might have on the high end of blood sugar, and that's not okay either necessarily. The stress response, if it's chronic, remember a normal stress response, you need increased blood pressure because you need blood perfusing your tissues, organs, and glands so you can get out of there, right? Or deal appropriately with the stress if you're forced to stay in it. So, other times I give my patients my blood pressure balance, which contains various nutrients that scientific studies have shown have the potential for helping your body regulate that particular aspect of a stress response, which is hypertension. If you learn to be in a hypertensive or high blood pressure or high blood sugar for that matter stress response during lots of stress during your life, you're exposed to stress, your body learns this, you're exposed again, it reinforces it. You're exposed again, you're really reinforced. It doesn't take a whole lot of stressor or for you to be triggered, you see. But now you're under stress even when the stressor is not even there because of what you've learned. And this is a both a conscious and unconscious thing. So of course, dealing with those stressors, trying to identify them and dismantle them and or to improve your ability in many ways to manage stress is important along with making sure the nutrition is handled. There's no healing without proper nutrition. There's just not. 
you want to put your body in a, in a stress response that's degenerative, stop eating. I'm not saying stop eating, okay. And then there is um, thyroid health. So any stress response involves the adrenal glands. We said that earlier. And the adrenal glands do not exist in a vacuum. And what that means, the term it doesn't exist in a vacuum means that the adrenals talk to the thyroid, which talk to the parathyroids, which talk to the anterior pituitary and the posterior pituitary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to make sure that the thyroid gland is well taken care of because it is a main gland responder during the stress response. So I have a product called Thyroid Sustain, which contains many of the basic nutritional elements which are essential for dealing with a stress response. So we're talking about zinc, selenium, tyrosine, copper, ashwagandha, coleus for scoli, a pituitary tissue and hypothalamic tissue. If you eat pituitary tissue and adrenal tissue and thyroid tissue, we know now that that could actually help revitalize those organs. Now, we don't want just any zinc. We want zinc citrate usually. We don't want any sort of selenium. We want selenium methionine, not selenium citrate. And we want tyrosine because that makes the T in T3 and T4. And we need copper to make T3 from T4 hormone, you see. And ashwagandha helps our body um, utilize and come back from a depleted state of low thyroid function to a more normal state of regulation. You want your body during stress responses to stay in a tight range so it's not extremely reacting. That way, the stress response can be maintained for longer and you can be, and you could survive for longer. And then there's melatonin. Now, melatonin, in my experience, uh, doesn't help most people sleep. At least that's what they tell me. But it's good for other reasons as well. It mitigates the stress response. So if you take melatonin at night, it may or may not help your sleep initially, although it may eventually. But you should have more melatonin at night. And if you do have more melatonin at night, you're going to be sleeping better. And you're going to set yourself up for feeling more refreshed the next day so you're more resilient to deal with various stressors. Whether they're, again, they're just normal stressors of walking or stress of working out or the stress of eating or the stress of digestion and or the stressors of dealing with what we call real negative stresses in our lives. So melatonin will help your body chemistry get back to that balance. And then one of my all-time favorites is GABA, the very last one here, gamma aminobutyric acid. Now what that means is that GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter, so it helps the parasympathetic relaxing stress response. So I generally take my patients, tell my patients to take this at night because uh, that'll help you with sleep. GABA helps for sleep, it helps pain, and it helps um, anxiety and depression. These are an extremely important combination of things as, as you might know. And GABA is extremely safe and the natural forms are just very effective. Sometimes I might have a, a patient take their GABA during the course of the day as well, because they may need higher levels if they find themselves stressed. Usually if you find yourself having a physiologic and or emotional stress response, you have lower GABA levels than you should. You probably also had lower um, melatonin levels than you should have at night. And of course, all these other organs may be off where you need to focus more on the blood pressure part or the inflammatory part, et cetera. And that's how the nutrition is personalized. So this is a summary here of all of the nutrients that I just spoke of. 
that uh, you can also read more about at blooddetective.com, and I have the uh, website address there. And again, uh, you can see that these doses, though, please realize that these are just generalized doses. I'm not saying that you should take these nutrients. You might need entirely different nutrients to deal with your unique stress response, and that's something that can be figured out. I might utilize a couple of different things to figure out what my patients need. And, and here's what you might want to consider too. Before I get to those though, here's just a quick chart that says, you know, you want good quality vegetable protein when possible and raw vegetables and, and fruits. You want to avoid stimulants and, and foods that have higher glycemic uh, responses in the body. You want regular meals throughout the day if you have chronic stress response. The persons with chronic stress response don't really tend to respond well to long periods of not eating, although sometimes that might be useful. I'm not going to ever say that it's not. Intermittent fasting type concepts can help the stress response, but it depends on the person. And acknowledge your stressors, your stressors in your life. That's number one. You need to label them differently than you are labeling them now. You need to consider maybe life coaching or the use of how you use your words, which is semantics. You want to visualize stress differently. You want to incorporate exercise into your life if you haven't already, and you need to like that exercise. You need to take the appropriate nutritional supplements, and you might want to consider getting laboratory work, which helps to personalize all of this for you. So as in the summary here, there's life coaching, there's laboratory tests, there's nutritional and natural healthcare choices that help to revitalize and build the body. For supplements, you can go to blooddetective.com. For listening, I want to thank you for that. And for anyone who emails me at info at blooddetective.com, if you request a 15-minute phone consultation, I will contact you personally and we'll have that. Don't call me for that, though, if you don't mind. Call me only if you want to schedule as a new patient. But if you want the free 15-minute consultation, please just email me. And you can call me for a new patient consultation at 914-552-1442. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining me today. And I hope to see you at the next um, installment of our master's program. Take care.